But over time, when I started using some of the tools that I talk about in the book, I started breathing a little bit. I started seeing things a little differently in more of a, I know this is so strange, but almost a more of a romantic, what can I learn from this? How did this happen? And when you say, when I, like the doctors, um, the neurosurgeons would say, you didn't do anything to cause this. And I appreciated the lie at the beginning, but later on as this process developed, I started to realize, wait a minute, I was doing something. I was a stress case for five years. I worked like a maniac, leaving at midnight, you know, a lot. And, uh, and not spending my time with the people I really love, which is my family. So yeah, that counts. That's, that's something that matters. And that's Jennifer Dickinson. After going to hell and back, is now singing her song. You have brain cancer. We need to get you to the hospital right away. Probably the scariest words one could ever imagine hearing. No sympathy or cause for concern, just the facts. Unfortunately, that's exactly the news that Jennifer Dickinson received in 2011. Pre-cancer, Jennifer lived a life that many of us do. Career first, long hours, not enough time with family and friends, very little sleep, some exercise, but definitely not enough. She was the personification of the American dream, successful by most of the things that we use to measure. If this fact pattern sounds familiar, this is a conversation worth your time. Jennifer soon was told that her cancer was stage four, pretty much as bad as it gets, statistically a death sentence. But this is a story of hope. Very soon after getting the horrific news, Jennifer started taking control of her life and her health, which brings us to a conversation for a case for hope. As you listen to my conversation with Jennifer, I encourage you to think about three questions. First, what is underneath the constant need for more? Second, what would it take to convince you that work is consuming your life, that you are stressed out, and that all of it is negatively impacting your health? Finally, how can you use the tools that Jennifer shares to live a better life? I'm not hitting you up with advertisements and commercials. That's because don't want anything to get in the way of sharing these stories with you. But I do have a few simple asks. Go to Apple Podcasts and give time to sing your song a review. It really helps in bringing awareness of these awesome stories like Jennifer's. Please share the podcast with your family and friends and even colleagues. You can also subscribe to my weekly newsletter, Time to Sing Your Song, if you're interested in getting a heads up on new episodes. I also share other ideas insights, and resources. Go to timetosingyoursong.beehive.com forward slash subscribe. Beehive is B-E-E-H-I-I-V. As I go deeper on this journey, it is becoming clearer by the day the time to sing your song is not about me at all. Rather, it is a platform for ordinary people to share their stories of how they overcame gnarly obstacles to live a life that they only dreamed about. What's crazy is the variety of stories that are coming to me. When I started, I thought they were going to lean towards finding work that you love. But the universe has pushed us into other areas like losing a loved one, divorce, addiction, and even paralysis. If you have a story or know someone who does, reach out to me. Easiest way is to send me an email at mike at time to sing your song .com 
or you can send a direct message on social media, Mike Kearney on LinkedIn, and mkearney33 on Twitter. Okay, enough of me. Let's get to Jennifer's story. Jennifer, welcome to Time to Sing Your Song. Thank you, Mike. I'm so glad to be here. I am looking forward to this. We're going to talk about your book, and that's where a lot of my questions come from. But what I want to do is I want to start with your story. You you got pretty much the worst news somebody <laughs> could get back in 2011. And I, I wanted to, I want to have you tell the story. So, so what happened? Okay. Uh, so in 2011, I was a really busy lawyer and just going constantly. We had 12 offices all throughout Georgia and the stress level was enormous for about five years because 2007 was the, um, uh, the financial crisis. And I had all those people, I had about a hundred lawyers and staff and it was just stressful for, for this whole period of time and very difficult working crazy hours, just awful. Hey Jennifer, do you think, do you think you recognize the stress at the time? Yeah, that's a great question. I did, but I didn't realize it was going to make me sick. It was going to, you know, contribute to that. And my type A personality is you just keep going. You just keep going. You never think, oh, I, I need to take care of myself and calm myself down. I was trying to solve the problem like I always had. So yes, um, there was some awareness, but I had no idea it was going to knock me down to the level that it did. So, so what so, happened? So then 2011, I started realizing that I was having trouble with memory and uh, word finding and reading. And I had made some major client, very, very well-known clients. And I would forget their names. And I thought that's kind of weird. And, uh, but I thought, oh, I'm just stressed out, right? This is nothing. So I went to see a neurologist in March. So January, I start seeing some idea, some issues. March, I see this neurologist and his comment was, all of the lawyers are stressed right now. So, you know, it was sort of like nonchalant. So I went and got these glasses, those cheaters. I was like, maybe mm. that's what's probable. You know, you just don't assume it could possibly be this. So then uh, I went to this annual conference. I was speaking Friday, standalone uh, group, more than, you know, just tons of people standing up, down. It was a big deal. But the night before, I was looking at my notes and reviewing them, but I felt like, I felt like they were being erased from my brain. I couldn't hold on to them. And I knew this material. I mean, it's boring material to most people, but... I was losing it. I was missing it. So I started making notes in the, on the side of my notes to make, make it more clear. But right. by the time I got there, nine o'clock Friday morning, it was like gibberish. And I put my stupid, you know, cheater glasses and I put it down and I performed for a whole hour. And I, without any of my notes, I just did it for my memory. And that worked great. But the next week, I had to do the same thing for another conference for another group. And by that time, the brain cancer, I mean, it was growing fast. I didn't know any of this. But by that point, it was really bad. And I couldn't flub it. I mean, I, I did flub it. it. I couldn't fake it. And, couldn't um, wing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't wing it. It was just there. And I had some really good friends in that. And they're like, 
what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. Next day I go to the neuro, uh, the neurologist and I said, I need an MRI. I, I need to see. And he's like, well, let's look at some other things. And I was like yelling, I'm screaming, I'm crying. I need this. I need to understand what's going on. So the next day, amazingly, I go to the MRI, the people go and they, they do all their stuff and they come back. I'm in the waiting room and the guy comes in. He's like, oh, will you come over here? He says, um, you've got brain cancer. He's like, I'm really sorry. This is shit news. I'm really sorry to tell you this, but you can't drive. You, somebody's got to take you to the hospital immediately. And I am um, He was shocked. that nonchalant about it? They're like, yeah. oh, you have brain cancer. And oh, by the way, you can't drive. Yeah, pretty much. And, and I was, to my credit, I was very like, very calm. I was like, okay, well, are you sure it's cancer? And, you know, I'm just, I'm into lawyer mode, right? Asking the basic questions. And then I sit down and I'm like, oh my God, wow, I've got little kids. I've got a first grader and a third grader. And I just, it just started, you know, the reality started coming in. So, uh, so it was. Did I, did I read that you? They actually put you in like the employee rate, waiting they room. Did well, I because they put me initially in the in the lounge with everybody else, the area where everybody else is. And when it all started breaking down, and I started, I was just like a mess. And they're like, "Uh, we've got another spot for you." And so I'm in the employee lounge with the old newspapers and the old stuff and their coffee, their little coffee thing. And I'm just like, "I get it, I get it. I'm a mess. That's not good for business, you know, because I'm a business person." Right. And uh, but it felt terrible. And then finally. Um, what I realized, I didn't know at this point, but I discovered later that it was really, really, really bad. I mean, I knew it was bad, but the diagnosis that I had uh, was grade four brain cancer, which 95% of people who would get this at that time would die within 12 to 18 months. And then 5% could get up to five years. And then only 1.7% could get up to 10 years. And I'm 11 years clear. They will never give you a little star that says, hey, you're um, you're cured. You'll never get that. They say you're just in remission, which is so offensive to me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm clear. I'm good. I've changed my entire life. That's not going to come back to me. You know, I'm going to old grow old and, and all that stuff, but they don't give you that. So you kind of have to give it to yourself. But then, um, okay. So can I ask one question before you move yeah, on? Cause please. I'm curious, you always hear of these situations where somebody is told you've got a limited time to live yeah, 12 to 18 months. What went through your mind? And I know this is probably hard to go back to, but what went through your mind when you heard those words? I, I can totally answer that. Um, I'm too young to die. I'm 44. I've got these beautiful little girls, a loving husband. This cannot be sort of incredulous. Like this doesn't make sense. I'm a healthy person. I was a runner. Ate, I thought I was eating good food. So it sort of just shock. And I that was pretty much where I was, like shock. And that just didn't make sense to me. Shocking. Wow. I, I just, uh, I try to put myself in situations when I hear stories like this and I, I don't know how I would react in the moment. I think what's really inspiring, which you'll talk about is how you reacted 
you know, after you got this news, but, but just even in those few moments afterwards, I'm sure it probably put everything into perspective. You said you were a busy lawyer. Probably a lot of that crap didn't really matter in that moment. Big time. I mean, yeah, at that, that first, first moment where I'm in the waiting, where I'm in that little, the employee room, I'm just, it's a, it's just mind is blown. You know, there's just mind is blown. I just didn't understand how this possibly, but later on I started seeing things a little differently and I started seeing it more in an inspired way, which is hard to imagine, but that is what happened. But at the beginning, just, it, it didn't, it didn't compute. I'm a healthy person. How could I get brain cancer for, of all things? So the word I, the word I would not think would come to mind is inspired. Can you elaborate? Like I, I, that does not yeah. compute. I'll just say. <laughs> no, I know. No. And this did not happen at the beginning. It was just pure terror, horror, just like millions of people who have cancer or terrible illnesses uh, and they get news like this. So no, it did not happen immediately. But over time, when I started using some of the tools that I talk about in the book, I started breathing a little bit. I started seeing things a little differently in more of a, I know this is so strange, but almost a more of a romantic, what can I learn from this? How did this happen? And when you say, when I, like the doctors, um, the neurosurgeons would say, you didn't do anything to cause this. And I appreciated the lie at the beginning, but later on as this process developed, I started to realize, wait a minute, I was doing something. I was a stress case for five years. I worked like a maniac, leaving at midnight you know, a lot and, uh, and not spending my time with the people I really love, which is my family. So yeah, that counts. That's, that's something that matters. So I thought all of those things, um, over time, I started to see almost a romantic aspect of what was really going on. It's almost more of an elevated picture. Instead of your body, you're in this situation. Oh my God, they're going to cut into my brain. They're going to do all this stuff. I start to develop like almost like there's a mountain and I'm on the mountain. And now I'm looking down at myself. And from that perspective, I could start seeing things in a bigger way and a more healing way and opportunity. I, there was opportunity for me and not at the beginning. It was just horror. But later on, that started to happen. I can't wait to get into specifically what you did, but I do have a couple of questions before just to set the context. What was your life like? You, you've said that you were so busy, that you were totally stressed, but what I want you to do is just paint a picture of what your life was like. And the reason why I'm asking this, Jennifer, the reason why I'm trying to paint this picture is a lot of times people work their ass off and they have health issues. Now yours was as bad as it gets. But my guess is when you paint a picture of what your life was like, it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, well, I, we, the reason we had this, we took this firm is we took it from a bigger firm that I was a managing partner in it and it was agreed. It, it was basically an agreed leaving. So, you know, that it was, we incorporated it together and so I was the managing partner of that firm and then we created our own. I had a co-partner who we were working on it. 
the majority of the people were my side. So I had 92 of the 100 people were on my department, which is commercial mm -hmm. and residential transactions. And what would happen to me was the financial crisis. I took complete responsibility. I, it took me a lot of therapy to figure this out. But in 2007, 2008, I was like, what am I going to do? Because everything was cratered. No one was buying anything. The banks are, you know, having issues. Everybody is having issues. Banks are breaking down. You know, they're falling apart. So during that time, I was just, first of all, I took responsibility of something that was a universal problem for everybody, but I took it very personally, right? And so I started to try to fix the problem. And actually, we were very successful in doing that, but it was, every day was brutal. The, um, I just remember the, the, the bookkeeper, every morning I'd wake up, I'd ru run in the morning, have my breakfast, I'd wake up feeling panicky, right? Like, okay, but I got to run, get into the office. I was one of the first ones in there. And our, our bookkeeper would be like, okay, this is how much money we have. <laughs> what can we pay? right? Because the financial crisis, everything is crashing. Right. Right. And I would try to, I, we always paid our staff, but we'd have to hold off on other things. And I'd be dancing around the people, hey, I need my money. Oh, you know, did whatever. And we were successful in that. It was very hard though, because I had to start letting people go. I had to let my C people go, the C level people, then the Bs, and then the B pluses, and then the A minuses, the A, mm -hmm. you know, A minuses. Only the A pluses could ultimately say a stay. Every day was a challenge. And initially, I didn't think that it was going to last so long, but sure it did. And so I had to pit and change. And I was young. I hadn't opened. I mean, I was 40 when we opened that company. And um, I learned a lot very fast, but it, that was basically was, was my world. And then ultimately, I just started to, I, could, I wouldn't stop, right? Because I need, I'm type A. I like to succeed. And I like to keep working hard until I get the problem solved. But what I missed in that is in the process you have you have to give yourself a break you have to find joy in your life it you don't get to do that afterwards you have to take a break you have to go on a vacation you have to give yourself credit i was taking so much responsibility of all these people i'm a terrible firer and i had to let so many mm. people go good people and um but we're still friends at this point. So many of them were, were still friends because they understood. And one of them I actually cried, which is pathetic, but um, it's true. So that was my basic word. Every day it was like that. And so that was my, that was my world. And that's what built, ultimately built up to, um, you know, being, getting so sick. Do you think some of those habits you created contributed to you getting sick? No question. Meaning, meaning the stress. No question. You know, stress is associated with the top six killers in the United States. And that is, I did not know that, of course. I didn't know any of that, but it's true. And um, it's cancer. The top six killers are cancer, heart disease, lung disease, liver disease, suicide, 
and accidents, right? So that means cancer is hovering around. That's not a bad day. That's not the day you were diagnosed. That means over a long period of time, at least three years, consistent on a consistent basis, you are dealing with stress. And there's a marriage between that and these top killers. Isn't that interesting? And all the type A people, the, all the brain cancer people that I have met, which is a lot, the vast majority are type A people. They were in management positions, but they were sensitive people behind it, right? It's a, it's a strange combination, but they were stressed out for an extended period of time. And I see this on and on. The breast cancer people, same thing. Everybody, it's, it's hovering around. And that's why I teach people that stress is a killer. And that's why the, the book talks about so many tools anybody can use. They're simple. This is not expensive. This is not. It's just there for all of us. And that's why I put it all together. Because once I started to see the truth about it, I was like, whoa, everybody needs to know this. This isn't that difficult. Um, but stress is is a killer. Yeah, it's not what good. I'm, what I'm trying to reconcile is the fact that you got religion because you got brain cancer. Yeah. Would you have potentially changed if you had heard, you know, another Jennifer talking about her experience? And I guess what could somebody have said to you back yeah. then before you got brain cancer? Mm -hmm. That was like the major wake up call. Cause there's so many people that are going through life. I was one of them. I know so yeah. many people where it's like stress consumes them. It's interesting also, Jennifer, just as a side note, um, since I left like the consulting world, I look at pictures of people online. I talk to people and I'm like, I can't even believe that I was in that world because they I are know. so stressed out. But that was me. That was I me know. like one year ago. So what I do you tell somebody like that? I know we're going to go go into your book big time, but, but what's the high level message that may get somebody to say, okay, maybe this job and this great pay and, and mm. the life I'm leading is not worth it. Mm, mm, mm. <clears throat> wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the high level is perspective that your job and the things you do is actually one of the, it's something that you do but your soul is the thing that's going to take you to the other realm. This is a mm -hmm. very short period of time that we're going to, that we live in. This is a, it seems like an eternity, but it's a very short period of time. So the things that you amass, this time that you spend at the office, the fact that you, you know, you, the boss is impressed because you skip your, your trips and stuff because you're such a hard worker. Guess what? That's, that's the mistake because you, that's not the good stuff. The good stuff is the balance in your life. That is the key. It is the million dollar key. It is not working yourself like a maniac. And then you say, oh, well, I'll do it when we retire or, you know, I'll, I'll relax then. No, you won't. You might not make it. You might get what I got and you might right. not be so lucky, right? So you got to take a little bit of yourself, not on the weekend or not every three months, you got to take it every day. Right. And it starts to shift your thinking. You're like, wait a minute, that felt good. Ooh, I feel a little bit more like myself. I feel a little more authentic, right? When you're 
pinched, like your shoes don't fit, you start to change over time and you don't even recognize yourself. You look at your kids, they're having fun and you're just like, wow, that would be nice. Yeah, you get it too. You get to have it too. You are, I always use this terminology and I I believe in it in my heart and heart. You are loved and you are love. You are the essence of love. And then this sounds mumby gumbo and whatever. (laughs) You're right. I didn't have religion before any of this. And I didn't have religion because I was scared. I just found it. And we can talk about that. But we, if you appreciate yourself that you are deeply, deeply loved, no matter with all your wounds and all the problems, and the, you are deeply loved, and that within your body, you are love. You are the essence of love. And I think what we do is we spend so much of our time ignoring that, devaluing, devaluing ourselves because we think, oh, I have to make a million dollars. I have to achieve this. I have to do this and that. And, and things are nice. I'm not saying, you know, that they're, they're not, but you have to have it in perspective. And I think that's the biggest, really the biggest takeaway would be perspective. And if somebody, if, if, if a Jennifer told this stuff to me, and I was in the biz in in the whole world of my my world that I was in, you know, just didn't know how to stop it. If somebody had said, but they were authentic, you know, if they said, you know what, I see, I see what you're doing. I used to do it myself. You don't yeah. have to live this way. You're not right. responsible for the financial crisis. You didn't do that. You're just hanging in there. Everybody leaves at five o'clock and six. You leave at five o'clock and six. You don't have to stay until midnight. The work is going to be there. Make other people do some of it. You don't need to kill yourself, literally, to keep going. There are another, other ways that you can balance your life. If somebody said that and they were really like honest people that I could really trust, I'd start to shift. I would start to shift and make changes. So I think that would make a difference for me. I I love your answer. And it makes me think of the fact that right now is not 2007 or 2008. God, hopefully we'll never go through that again. But but I do know a lot of people that are losing their jobs. And you talked about the fact that you had to be the one that was actually, you know, firing people or laying them off. And what's interesting is oftentimes we're working so hard so that we could elevate. And we think the organization's always going to take care of us. But then when times get tough, they don't. And so to me, this is why it's so important not to forget about who you are and also to forget about taking care of yourself. So I I think that's so important. And then the one thing you made me think about as well, kind of put myself in your shoes, once again, not in getting brain cancer, but, you know, in that kind of never ending, always moving, stressful period of time. I think the thing that really started to help me, and I don't, I don't even know how I got to this place, but was to find moments where I did slow down. And so for me, one of the things I've talked about in the past is I would do like a quarterly one day retreat is not what it was. I would go down to the library in my little hometown and I would evaluate where I was at and it would make me actually pause and think about the things that were causing stress 
and also the things that I actually wanted to do. I didn't come at it from a stress perspective, but I think, you know, indirectly, you know, yeah. the stuff I was like, I don't want to do this anymore in my life because it was creating a lot of stress. Oh, that's huge. I mean, you slowed down for a minute and assessing yourself, assessing your situation, that would have made a big difference. For me, I just kept, I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to keep th going forward. And a lot of people throw themselves that way, just throw my body into it, just move everything, keep moving forward with no conscious thinking. Just solve the problem, solve the problem. So your path, your you're manifesting something that was really different. And I, that's, a, that's an, a great example of how somebody could do this differently. And I, I really appreciate you sharing that particular example. That's good stuff. Was there a moment of clarity? You talked about this kind of romanticism about how you're going to beat this, but was there a moment when you're like, okay, my pity party's over. I'm going to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, um, w when I went to the hospital, they did a sur they did uh, they took a sample of my brain to see if if I'm grade three or grade four, and it took them eight days to get the results. And you know, behind the scenes, really, it was growing so fast that really was not probably good. But on some level it was because I was home and my brother sent me something called Qigong, which is a Chinese technique from 2000 years ago. Very, very calming, easy breathing, breathing in and out, but gentle movements in your arms. So he sent me that he sent me a directed meditation and my mom sent me information about what thrives, what cancer thrives in. And one of it is processed sugars, right? Mm. So the, I just got those three little nuggets and that's what I spent my time doing. I was, I just did over and over. I did all of these things. I started doing breathing techniques and all of these things. And wow, even though there was brain growing in my brain and I was given no chance to, to make it, even with radiation, chemotherapy, surgery, all of those things are like, we're basically giving you a couple more months. That's basically was the message. But man, those things made me feel well and whole and joyful. I mean, I would start smiling and all of a sudden my whole body would be calming. I was well, I was okay. Instead of panicking like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to die. And which is of course part of the whole thing, but it was a path I could follow that let me be calm and understand this makes me feel good. You know, this is good stuff for me. And that's where, that's where the magic started for me. And then I went to, um, a holistic doctor before I had my surgery and she started loading me up in really good quality supplements. She gave me a couple of books, The Power of Now. You know, she, mm -hmm. she gave me cool books. My doctors would never give me a cool book like right. that. And she asked me this question, do you think you can beat it? And I said, I do. And she said, which again, again is miraculous, I do too. 
And that was the first doctor, MD, who gave me any chance of hope. Now, she had been through cancer herself. So there is some some control when when you're dealing with somebody who's also has already been through this it means a lot and that's and that started me that through that path and um that that was where i started thinking if if one person could beat this why can't i why can't i right if there's one guy out there i'm going to look for those kinds of people and then i also started thinking you know we heal all the time, right? I mean, I've I had a broken foot one time. Well, all they did is they wrapped me up and I took care of it for three, three months it took me. It was a pain in the butt, but it healed. So I started putting these pieces together that we can heal. Somebody has healed this. Why can't I? And that really put me into, so everything, if I could, anything that would be good for me, I explored it. Anything that was bad for me, like toxins or toxic people, and mm. uh, anything like that, toxic people are really knock you down. Um, anything that was good, I'd do. And then anything bad, I would try to ex- exclude it. I'd try to get rid of it as much as possible. And that started the whole thing. And that that all came from that that belief that you cultivated that I can beat this and I will beat this. Exactly. Ex- so why I, not me, right? Why, why not me? Mm-hmm. And and do you think like when you when you came up with those words and when you internalized that, did something change in oh, you? Big time. big time, big time. I felt it. I felt it. Mm. I believed in it. I knew it. I knew what could be possible for me. And the problem is, is the doctors all they know is the statistics. And they know it's surgery and it's the drugs, right? But what I started to see, even at that early, that nascent period of time, I was like, wait a minute, there's a whole pie chart. This is a small piece of this pie chart. Medicine is part of it, but nutrition is part of it. It's not the whole thing. A lot of people in this this pocket where I am now, they focus all about and they get their, their, you know, books and they all talk about the food. And yeah, yeah, food's a part. But the mindfulness, how you choose to present yourself in the world, how you choose to be your spiritual discovery or your your interest in discovering it. I mean, all of these pieces are part of, it's like a diamond has different facets, right? And it just, it was, it came from another realm. Honestly, I feel like I was very blessed to just, I would stumble into one thing and then another, I have about 20 tools basically that I stumbled into, (laughs) right? And I hate, I would never, you'll never see me send anything that's like 22 ways to cure. You know, I hate that stuff. I hate those little, it makes me sick. But I I do want to get into some of these tools. So I am going to ask you about your favorite ones in a minute. Okay. Let me go back to this mindset thing. I'm curious because it feels like that may have been to a certain degree, the foundation because yeah. you had to have something, a belief that you were going to get better. And then you used all these different tools. Since you've spent probably a lot of time thinking and meeting people that have cancer, what percentage of people do you think cultivate that mindset? Because I, I would argue that's probably one of the first things that's so critical to getting well. Honestly, 
the people that I know, especially in the brain pocket, um, but also other cancers, they have the same mindset. They believe, even though everybody's saying you're not going to make it, get your papers in orders. And yeah, you do have to get your papers in order. You can make your little list of, you know, all the things that you want to do. But the people who I have met, which is a lot, they always have this juice in them. Why not me? I, I can love do this. That. I can do I this. Love that. And it's the million dollar thing. But the problem is, like, for example, older folks, they they don't want to expand, right? They say, well, that's the doctor says. This is what the doctor says. And I'm like, you have got to expand beyond what the doctor, the doctors have no hope. Why will you think they're going to give you hope? They don't have it. They don't sell it. That's not what they do. You have to find it yourself. Ah, that's interesting. So it's almost like the doctors are good for traditional medicine, mm -hmm. but don't go to your doctor to look for hope no. as to how you're going to get out of this. No way. So in the book, you did talk about the main components to healing. Can you talk about what those are? And that's going to set up some of these tools. Cause I'm going to ask you in a minute or two, what are some of your favorite tools? And I want to make them real because in my mind, after reading mm -hmm. the book, a lot of these tools are things that I'm going to actually adopt and I don't have cancer. So, you know, if you're out there listening, it's like, you don't have to have, you know, stage four brain cancer in order to use what Jennifer's talking about. But, but so let's talk about those main components of healing. Can you talk about that? So what I, I didn't understand it, it started to lay out towards the end where I was putting it all together, but the layout is it's the body, it's the mind and it's your spirit. It's these three pieces. And what does that mean? You know, mindfulness, your body, your physical body, taking care of your physical body and your spiritual exploration, which I, I think is fascinating. Uh, I think it's really curious. So for example, in the body, examples are breathing techniques, critical, quality sleep, quality water, clean water, exercise, um, quality nutrition, and avoiding toxins. So those are sort of my bullet points. That's Those are the things in the body that I focused on. If you look at a base of a huge, gorgeous tree, the bottom of it to me is, is the body. Like just look at there's a body, the body there. And then as you start going up in the tree, you see the mind, the mindfulness. Then you go all the way up to the vaulted tops of the trees. And that to me is the spirit. That's the juice. So I, when I talk about the body, I like talking about the body. It's very important. But the, what really jazzes me up is when we start talking about the mind. And when I start making connections to other people, the mind and the spirit, when I start making those connections to people, people start to resonate. It's like they're vibing for it because they understand that is so important, your mindset, your spirit, what's going on with you. So, um, but in mindfulness, my, my sort of group there is um, Qigong with, and then um, meditation and guided meditation. Awesome sauce. Great stuff. Prayer, visualization, massage, yoga, music, joy, writing it out, writing your thoughts out, oh, really powerful, so simple, and being in nature. And then the spiritual part of it is, I have it into three pieces, 
perspective, judgment, and forgiveness. Oh, that's also really very, very powerful stuff. And the second piece is getting support. Sometimes we need to get help from other people, and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think we need more than more of that today than ever. And then the last piece is the exploration of our spirit. And those are that's basically the layout. So let's go through them and let's start at body. You literally changed everything in yeah. many respects about your life. I mean, we just heard you were like a stress case going, I mean, you did run, I'll give you credit, but you ran and you were still the first person in the office, which yeah. is probably not great for sleep. Exactly. Um, so maybe if you could go through a few of these and maybe think about the person that's listening is something that you learned about these techniques that changed your life. So it could be kind of like the, what did you do? You know, why did you do it? How did you do it and impact? And, and if you don't mind, I want to get a little bit granular because, you know, a lot of these things we talk about, but we don't necessarily always apply. So if there's something that you did that you found to be really helpful to you, or if you have like a hack, like a way that you do meditation or a way that you uh, took sugar out of your diet or whatever it is, mm. let's get into some granularity so that cool. maybe as people are listening, they could hear wow, I'm inspired and I can do that as well. Perfect. Maybe we'll start with the body. You could pick any one of the techniques that, awesome. that you- Okay, have. so this one, um, there are two in the body that I think are the most that people will resonate to, but the breathing techniques is so simple. Anybody can do it. It is, um, it's basically breathing techniques teach us how to deep uh, to breathe deeply in our bodies. And it allows us to have more oxygenation in our bodies. And it has other, all these healthy things that we can do. Um, we, a lot of times we, we breathe in shallow, especially if you're stressed out, right. like right. I was shallow, shallow, shallow cancer cells. I'm talking about cancer. It's all kinds of things, but cancer loves that they love you to be stressed out because mm. they need a little oxygen, but they can't take too much. So when you're exercising or if you're doing um, breathing techniques, it hates it. It's like, it's like, ah, we hate this. They can't thrive in that environment. So breathing techniques was one of the first things that I learned. And it's so simple. And it's basically just, it's breathing in oxygen, which helps pump our cells up. It helps our tissues and our organs. It's just great stuff. And when we push it out, we push out carbon dioxide, which pushes out what? Toxins and waste. So deep breathing, which I always, you know, just so simple. You start with your belly right. and it's almost like a balloon and you breathe it in for about five seconds and you breathe it up to maybe your throat. And then I like to hold it there for a second, a couple of three minutes three seconds, <laughs> not three seconds. Yeah, hopefully and not then, a few minutes. Maybe. That'd be a long time. Sorry. Don't pass out. Don't pass out. And then we breathe it out for about 10 seconds and through our nose. And you do that for five minutes in the morning and you do it at five minutes at night. That is not hard to do, but it's so really, simple. So simple. But all these great things happen for your body. You're calmer, you're relaxed, you start to, your mind is more clear and it supports your immune system. Your immune system is down there like, 
yay, way to go. Because if your immune system is relaxed and you're, you're, you're relaxed, your immune system can start to fight all the nasty things like cancer cells or um, toxins or, you know, there are, there are fighters, there are cells that are intended to hang around and hover our body looking for, for trouble and gobbling them up and getting it out and toxic, pushing it out. So when you're breathing, breathing in deeply and then pushing it out like that, you're supporting your body. It's great. It's brilliant. So hey, that- Jennifer, one, one thing I, uh, I want to just comment on because meditation is like, the thing to do. And, and it's actually not even just today. It's like the fat over the last five years. And I, I heard somebody say something the other day that I found fascinating. It's like, we as humans always tend to run away from the thing that you hear about a lot. And so we just don't do it. And it's like meditation actually works. And, and I think I've consistently been meditating since 2015. Wow. And the one thing that I've done better recently is I would always do it very formally. I got to do it 20 minutes in the morning and and I've got to use a certain app or whatever it was. What I've started to pick up in addition to doing kind of that formal scheduled time, which I try to do every morning, is that I'll find pockets in the day where maybe I know uh, there could be a stressful situation. So here's a good example. For 10 minutes before we jumped on this podcast, I just sat in my chair rather than looking at my notes and thinking about the questions I wanted to ask you. I just put, I, I literally clicked my Apple watch, set the timer for 10 minutes and I just sat there and breathed. And so it put me in a place when we jumped on this call, I'm like totally in the moment. I feel great because wow. I did my breathing. And, and the reason why I share that is I think sometimes people think that meditation has to be this ultra formal thing. Right. And I think what you're saying is like, just find space to breathe. Mm. What a perfect example. Oh big time. It's not a big deal, right? You don't have to have the dark in your room and, you know, candles and stuff. I will say that some people resist meditation because they think, oh, they're just always running, running. They can't calm down enough. And that's why I like directed meditations for those people to get started. But meditation is the bomb. I mean, it's, it's so... They've done so many studies. It's so good for us. Can I make one comment on on the the, the people that are so damn busy? I, I don't, I'm going to bush. It's not even a quote. It's just a concept I'll say. But I heard somebody say, if you don't have five minutes for meditation, you probably need 20, which I love. <laughs> because it's, it's basically like you're too damn busy and you probably are like you were, you know, when I was back in my career. It's like, I'm just moving too fast. Oh, I love that. I'm going to steal that. I'm stealing that. Um, and I stole it from somebody that I forget <laughs> where I got it. So. But what I like for the people who are like that, I say, here's a, C- here's a directed CD. And the thing I like about directed CD is literally you all you have to do is lay down and listen because it's voice. Uh, somebody is talking in a very soothing way and they're playing uh, wonderful music, calming, and they have they have CDs for this, for anything, for stress, for cancer, for relaxing with loss. They're amazing. And I kind of started with meditation, but then I also, my brother, remember at the beginning, he, he gave me that directed meditation and man, mm. that is easy 
peasy. So either way you want to go, that is a good entree to regular meditation because people can start to see how quickly they'll start to relax. Because your mind is, when you do meditation, as you know, you have to control your mind. You're looking for space in your mind. You don't want to be thinking all the time. And that's the that's the challenge, right? That's the beauty of meditation is the key is to think about nothing. And right. that's hard. And for everybody that's still like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical, I'll tell you the one thing that it's helped me is that I always react to situations and I don't like it. It's actually, if there's one thing I would change about <laughs> myself, it's like I overreact. And what I have really learned to do is find space in between, you know, stimuli and then how I'm going to actually come back at it. And it's, it's because mm-hmm. of meditation. It's the only thing. So there's so many benefits. Mm-hmm. It's so easy and free. You don't have to go to the doctor and get medicine that's going to have a counteractive problem, right? This is totally. the sauce. This is the good stuff that you don't have to, this is just good, period. And it is free because I use the Calm app and I don't pay for the monthly charge. I use the free. So uh, <laughs> I do. I have the same. That's <laughs> oh, funny. So, so what, what do you want to profile next, Jennifer? What was okay. critical that you think uh, helped you in kind of your healing journey? Okay. So nutrition. I, um, I mean, there's so many. It's like I can't fit. But for the purposes of this, I thought mo- most people are concerned. Well, what's the nutrition aspect? And I thought I, I was a basically a vegetarian. I did take Mm. fish. I did have some fish. I got sick. I mean, whatever. And I ran all the time. So what was that? That's why the the stress is such an aspect. But the foods that I was eating, even though I thought I was, you know, super duper, I really wasn't. Once I got sick, I broke everything down to figure out what is the best things that I can eat. And quality food is the answer, right? It's the good stuff. It's the vegetables. It's the fruit. It's the beans. It's the um, nuts and seeds and all of these kinds of good things. Clean water. All of those things are the answers. But what's happening in our world is that we are sick. We are really sick, but we're sick by the food. <laughs> I like to say, where is the food in your food? right? Like where is it? That's actually funny. Yeah. So terrible. If your car had, you know, poor, poor gas in it, right? It's not going to work very well. And ultimately it's going to break down. Guess what? Guess what? That's our body is the same exact way. If we don't put good quality food in it, we're going to start to break down. And then guess what? We get to have type two diabetes. We get to have a lot of weight issues that creates other problems. And then the doctor is going to give you more drugs that has some other problem. Solve the problem. It's really not complicated. Where is the, the thing on TV saying one of the best things you can do is to exercise and eat clean food, not processed food. The processed food is going to create inflammation in your body. It's going to create more issues. So if COVID were to come back again, the pe- we, we learned, they told us that. They told us that the people who had morbidities were, yep. were weaker and the people who were strong and, and didn't have those, they could beat it better. And we're, my whole family got sick, but we're healthy. We're exercise. We eat clean food, really good food. And it was okay. I'm not saying it was the case for everybody. I, I don't want, 
it's complicated area, but I feel like that should be out there all the time. But it's clear nutrition is a major, major factor. And the way I can prove that is that 73% of all of us are either overweight or obese in our country. That's Isn't outrageous. And it then is. and then um, we have the largest number per capita of sugar in any country, and we are not the biggest. So that's an outrageous amount of sugar that's coming in our food. They put it in everything. It makes me so angry. I, I was going to ask you that because people think of sugar as like sweets or ice cream. And I think your point is you probably don't know where you're getting sugar from. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. It makes me so, sometimes I almost throw, if I'm at the grocery store, I look at everything. If it's something that is not my normal group, I look at it and I'm like, oh, sugar. And then they're starting to say cane sugar. Oh, does that sound nicer? No, it's still yeah. sugar. It's still, still bad. Sugar. You don't need to have sugar in everything. And it's processed sugar. I mean, it has no really no value, that kind of sugar. Your sugars should come from your fruits. That's your natural sweets. But that stuff is just garbage and it knocks you down. And um, the that kind of processed kinds of food that comes from, you know, McDonald's and all of these things, those come from, there's tons of salt, tons of sugar and chemicals. They break down the good things. They remake it so that it'll last forever. You know, it'll last for three years. Do you really want to eat something that's going to last for three years? And that's part of the, the, the major problem. It's in, it's in everything. It's in our crackers totally. and our cookies. Just, you got to just start looking at the ingredients. And if it's complicated words <laughs> that you can't even say, avoid it, skip it, do something else. It's that whole axiom of like you shop on the outside aisles at your supermarket <laughs> and it does work. And, and you know what? I, I, uh, I've said this before, but my favorite place on earth is Costa Rica, but I've oh, spent yeah. a lot of time on the Nicoya Peninsula, which is on the, the Pacific side. And it's one of the five blue zones and it's where more centurions live than any other part in the world other wow. than maybe the other four blue zones. But it's exactly that it's they, they eat real food. And they have a very, very simple diet. You know, it's protein like chicken, it's mm -hmm. beans and rice. Mm -hmm. That's what they eat a lot of, mm -hmm. but it's real food. It's not right. sugar. And I think the challenge is if you just go and look at our cupboards, there's so much crap in there Ugh. and a lot of it is addictive. I mean, I will find, or I have found myself, I'm actually eating really well now, but I found myself all like have a granola bar, which has a ton of sugar in it. And I'm like, I need two or three more now. And exactly. it becomes addictive. It's so bad. Yeah. And I always tell people that, you know, if they don't believe that, you're so right. You get that that spike, that sugar spike. Right. And then you crash in 20 minutes and you're like, I need more of that. And that's totally. how it's built. And they know it. I mean, the people who make it, they know this. And the, the way I prove it is this. Um, you, you have a couple of chips or something, right? And then you sit down and you're like, huh. And then you eat the rest of it, right? Because after a couple mi minutes, oh, you, you can't more, stop. Right. But do you ever do that with an apple? Do you ever eat an apple and, and then binge in apples? You never do it because you have a whole plant. You have, you have the the fruit but you have the fiber that goes with it that slows down that's your sweet you're never gonna binge in it because it's good for you it's healthy for you so what's the next okay. thing you did that you want to profile so mindfulness i think mindfulness is 
is huge. I stumbled into all of these things. And I didn't find a book that answered this. I was looking for something and it made me kind of crazy. I'm like, why doesn't somebody already have a book that can help me? Um, but it it just happened organically. And one of the things that happened was music. Um, oh my gosh, there was this song. I, I had had the brain surgery and I was in Texas where it was. And you can't fly. It had to wait for two weeks because you can't fly after having that kind mm. of a surgery. You're very swollen, obviously. But this song came in and it was a J- Jason Aldean song. And um, man, it just got me. And every time I would hear it, it would just calm me down. I'd have a smile on my face. I had just had brain cancer, right? I mean, brain surgery, that's a pretty big deal. Seven and a half hours tickering in my brain. And God, it didn't matter. Just like the qigong, just like the breathing techniques, just like the directed meditation, all of those things would make me feel beyond what I should be, right? Because I should be in a panic state. I felt completely whole and wonderful. And I started to realize this stuff is good. I hadn't done the studies on this. It's just like, man, every time I'd hear him, it would make give me that uh, understanding. And what I discovered is music is actually a therapy. They've studied, it's a whole thing, and they've done so much study on using music. And it's a simple thing. It's um, It came from 40, they believe that 40,000 years ago, the Neanderthals, new used music to communicate in a social binding um, a, a way. And, um, and I just love that. I just love it because we do that ourselves now. But they predated words. That's how important music is. And, you know, you listen to a great song and you start tapping, you start moving, you start saying the words. It feels good. You might play the music, but it's it's such solid, good stuff, and it's good for our body. It creates dopamine in us. Um, oxytocin creates that um, those hormones, all kinds of great kinds of hormones. It decreases our anxiety. Our heart rate um, is decreased. Our blood pressure de- decreases. It's super to our immune system. So I always say it's not mega death though. Like if it's, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. not like rah, rah, rah. Like, like my brother used to listen to some of that stuff in the house, drive us all crazy. If this is music that's moving to you. It's, it's, it moves you. It means something to you. And um, one of the things I, I find is so beautiful about music is it's again free. When I got home after that, I went down, I was listening to all my music from, you know, from high school and college, but the best of music I had was from my college, my high school. It was just great stuff. And I just started listening to it and I incorporated that as one of my healing tools. And again, not really having studied it, at that point, I just knew it made me feel good. And um, what I did, what I find is amazing is they've used um, people who have dementia and Alzheimer, they're using it as a therapeutic way. So they they get these personal playlists for these people when they were younger. And you'll you'll see the, the person who is sagging and not responsive, doesn't know their, their son is with him and just, just, 
you know, it's so sad. And then they put in the music, they put the ear pods on them, and then they start playing the music. They, you see them, you can see it on the YouTube. They wake, in, they wake up, they put their chins up, and they start singing the words, and they start moving to the words. It's miraculous. And then the, there's a, they also have found great studies with the Parkinson's people, and they, a lot of them have trouble shaking with the hands in different places, their face and their legs. And they have these wonderful videos where the guy is shaking, you know, and all that stuff. They start the music. And he is like, like my dad's great. At that time, they, men knew how to dance. My husband, no, forget it. <laughs> it's not, you can't even compare it. It's, it's terrible. But then they knew how to dance with a woman. And so in the, you can see the videos and the study of it and how he, he shows up here. There's no shaking. He is gorgeous dancing oh. with this woman. And so uh, music is one of my favorite of all time because it feels so darn good. And even that song I was telling you that was like um, an elixir for me when I just was, uh, you know, recovering from the brain surgery, uh, still that song gets me every time I, I stop and I listen to it because it moves me. So it's good stuff. You've been making me think about how I use music. And I think your point of there's certain types of music that just make you feel good, that bring joy yeah. to your life. Yeah. And and I'm glad you mentioned the 80s because I think I grew up in the 80s as, as it sounds like you did, yes. which was the best music era yeah. ever. And I don't care what anybody else says. <laughs> but, but what I've done, I've kind of done what you're talking about. And it's so true. I actually, on my Spotify playlist, I created something where it's just songs I love. And I didn't do this consciously, but I think what it is, is it's songs that bring me joy that like when I'm down or when I need a pick me up or whatever, I just go to that. And it's a lot of eighties, but there's some others, but you're so right. Like it does totally change my disposition. You know, I appreciate you telling me that because I still don't have a playlist like that and I should do that. That's a great idea. Just have it all packed up together. Yeah, that's a great idea because it does. I am sure it has the same effect with you. Yeah. Yeah. You should you should do that and then share it with everybody. I'm, I'm teasing. But no, but anybody can go to my, my Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But but it is so easy. I mean that's there's so many things I hate about technology, but I do love you know, the ability just to go literally get any song that has ever been pretty much recorded on Spotify and just create a great playlist. Uh, something we all can do. It's a great idea. So Jennifer, one more, let's cover one okay. more yep. thing that you do. Okay. So I'll say the spirit, the spiritual aspect, which is not necessarily in vogue all the time. And again, I did not grow up with religion. I didn't know what everyone was doing on Sundays. I was sleeping in, snoozing. I was like, whatever, those suckers. But man, I found it in this process. And I didn't find it because I was afraid. I just found it because I was at the bottom of the barrel. And I looked up and I found this, this, I found God. I mean, I know that sounds just so, but I did, I did. And I started having messages um, from that realm during that time. And they were long messages. I started writing it down. It was an epiphany. It was an opening. I was open 
And so these things came in. My grandmother came in and my grandfather, and they would always give me a nugget. They would give me information that I could confirm, right? Because at the very beginning, they, they, I would get messages from God and, and they weren't saying, hey, don't worry, you're going to make it. Don't worry about that. It wasn't like that. It's very high-end kind of discussions, but they were there. And um, really intense discussions like, why did I become a lawyer? You know, and I was yeah. questioning everything. Like, what it, I've I've messed up my whole life, you know, and, but I got answers, <laughs> and it was really uh, unbelievable. And I'm not sure if every person is going to have, you know, that exact ex- experience, but at least being open to a spiritual realm, I. I believe that it is right in front of our nose. And you have people who have passed away and then people will say, wow, it's so strange. This red bird came right in front of me in the middle of, you know, this happens all the time. They're miracles, but then we ignore them and we shouldn't because uh, we are energetic people. So the people who are past, they are still, there's an energetic energy there. And there is still a communication, I believe firmly. Um, but you know, I, you, you can, people can believe whatever they want, but the only thing that I would just say about this spiritual, um, aspect is to explore it, you know, see what happens in there. You can try some prayer. You can say, help. That's a prayer. Help. You know, wherever you, it doesn't have to be fancy. I don't know the words. You know, I don't know all the words at church. Now I I do go to church and it's one that I like, you know, they just don't say stupid stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm snoozing. I I like it (laughs) Um, because that doesn't work if if it doesn't mean anything to you. But like meditation, you can feel those feelings. You can feel something from another realm. Uh, Qigong can also inspire this connection. Um, breathing techniques we talked about, and going to religious, you know, places that that mean something to you. Those are all ways that we can also access it. And if you don't think that you actually have energy, do you ever have one of those weird things where you're driving in the car and you see, you look at somebody and you don't think that they're seeing you or whatever, and their yeah. heads crane around in the weirdest way directly to you right? Like they see you or you're not in the car, you're somewhere else. It's so weird. It's like, it's such a strange thing. We're energetic, we're energetic beings. And that's why when people say, well, there's no God and stuff, that's, that's your religion. You have a religion, (laughs) you know? So I just think it's an, an, a wonderful area to explore. And I think, especially if you're struggling with something, loss, or illness or anything, it's uh, I think it's a very supportive thing. And they've done a lot of great studies on the benefit of prayer and spirituality and exploring that area. So I think that's a another really good one. Good one. I, I, I think it's interesting because even you said it within the first 10 seconds, it's like, you know, kind of a defensive posture, if you will, yeah. bringing up religion. But, but what I find fascinating is the fact that most people that have near-death experiences find religion uh, and whether it's like organized religion or spiritual spirituality, geez, I can't even talk. Um, the whole notion is the fact that there is something out there greater than me. Uh, and I think people tend to succumb to it more 
when they need that help. And, and I guess this is going to maybe sound silly, but like, what do you have to lose? Really? You know what I mean? Like, like if there's something out there that potentially can help you through these difficult times, and I don't think we as humans can even grasp what exactly it is, but if it works, why the hell not? 100%. 100%. Exactly. If it gives you peace and calm, yeah, big time. Absolutely. And I think, I think the challenge is a lot of kind of the through line maybe is a better way of saying it. The through line in a lot of this is all of these different techniques require that you slow down and that you're intentional about your life. And so pick up the book. We're going to talk about exactly the name and where you can find it in a second. But, but, you know, maybe all these techniques don't work for you, but if you're going to start to adopt them, you do need to be intentional. And so, you know, if you just think about mindfulness, if you think about eating, all of these things require some forethought. So, you know, I want to eat well. Well, if you don't put thought into what you buy from the store and you just buy the same old crap, you're going to eat poorly. If you don't block that 10 or 15 or 20 minutes every morning, to do meditation, not going to do it. You got to be thoughtful about this stuff. And I think the challenge is we do live in a society. You're a lawyer. I was a consultant. We are going so goddamn fast, (laughs) right? That we're not paying attention to this stuff. And so the things that really can bring Mm. the most quality to our life are the things that we are neglecting and it is killing us. Mm. I mean, quite frankly. Well said. All right. My rant is over. Okay. No, I love it. No, so, <laughs> very well said, really. So tell us about the book. What's the name of it and where people can find it? Okay. Um, so the book is called The Case for Hope, What I Learned on My Journey from Cancer to Wellness, We Can Heal. And you can get that in Amazon and um really anywhere. You can also get it at my website, which is jenniferdickinson.com. But um yeah, that's that's where you can find it. I'm I'm getting some local uh bookstores that are carrying it, which is great. So um but Amazon seems to be the biggest one right now where people are buying it. I I'm looking at the book right now and I just dawned on me the case for hope. Right. Did you, you, did you was it because you're a lawyer? Yeah, I just thought it was you, and and also like how dare you? This is a case for hope. Like ooh, I am like going to give the hope. You you people who don't give me any chance to live. You know, there is a case for hope and it's yeah, it's kind of a little bit in the eye of those who wouldn't give any chance to beat it. I'm here. I'm here. I'm present. Thank God. Maybe the way to look at it too, I don't know if you believe this, but after reading it, I do. It's not necessarily even the case for hope in terms of recovering from, you know, a potentially deadly disease. This is a case for hope for living your best life. 100%. Absolutely. Anything. What it might be that somebody has been feeling very depressed or low or something like that. And then they can start to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe some people can get to the other side of that. Right. Just that concept, just these ideas, the intentional thoughts that you were talking about, this concept that maybe there is hope. Okay, hope is not a strategy in and of itself, but it's a way to start finding more information. Right. And if you give somebody no hope, they're not going to even try to look for it. So, yeah, big stuff. You know what? I, uh, I don't know if this is true or not. This is going to be one of my little tangents again, but <laughs> there is a lot of people out there, whether or not they've got, you know, a, a disease or an illness 
or just they don't have a good life that are feeling really bad about themselves that are thinking really bad thoughts. Mm. And one of the things I like about the book and all the different tools is that you can do these things. They're fairly simple and they will probably not probably, they will help you feel better and think better thoughts. And I think the challenge is oftentimes people feel bad is because they're not taking action. And I think to a certain degree, you know, the foundation of your book is, and quite frankly, the foundation of your story is like, you got to do stuff. And when you do these things, you're actually going to start to feel better. And, and you even were talking about like, I'm feeling better in the moment when you were talking about uh, meditation and some of the other things that you did before you even had the surgery, right? Right. So like it actually works when you're operating under pretty much the worst circumstances a human can. Yeah. It's great stuff. And that is one of the reasons why I like that directed meditation. I give this to teenagers um, because my kids were teenagers. They're older right. now. But um, because just like people are frozen in action, they're frozen to do anything. I say, just listen to this. And I give them the CD thing and I give them the thing. I said, pop it in, right? That's the easiest thing. You do literally have to do nothing. And then it can start making the juices move a little bit. Oh, okay. Totally. Maybe, maybe I can start doing this. There's something else. That made me feel what? Good. Those hormones made me feel good, right? Isn't that what we're looking for? And drugs and all of the bad things, alcoholism and stuff, those things are going to cover the thing that's underneath, whatever the problem is. So guess what? You get two problems. You get your problem, your addiction, and then you also have the core issue that you haven't resolved. And so I really focusing on what's happening for me. Uh, A lot of people are having anxiety. They're using my book to help them balance things and understanding some of these things. Now, that's a, that's a, been a big issue for people. Um, That's a whole other, other thing. So anyway, I do think that's as important aspects. So I've got to give you a hard time a little because you are from the same generation as me. You keep saying CDs. People, you could get this online too. I'm just messing with you, Jennifer. <laughs> Actually, no. What are you going to say? People can get what? M, whatever. MP3s. They yeah. could go to, I don't know. They could go on their computer. I'm Do just you know messing with you. No, no. That's perfect. No, it's perfect. You're right. I, I'm old. I'm old. Um, <laughs> from the I'm I'm but, old but here's the problem. Here's the problem. And the lady who I loved, who did the majority of the CDs that I liked, the directed meditation, because yeah. I give them to all these people like candy. I'm like, here, here, here. So I want the CDs. I don't want those MSPs or whatever those things. And here's, this is why. Because you put it next to what? Your phone. Your phone is a yeah. magnetic uh. thing. And they've been showing how brain how it affects our brain, how it affects our bodies. Men are having testicular testicular um, cancer when they're putting it in their pants, like in their pant pockets, right? So I don't want that stuff near me. I don't want anything. And so I know old fashioned for sure, but I want a CD that I can snooze and fall asleep doing my directed meditation or if I've got somebody, this an awesome podcast like like you do. I don't want that. I don't want that problem in me. I don't want more toxics in my life. 
And so I love that you, you totally like shot me down and I, I love it. You you're like, you're hard. like, there's a reason why I do the CD, Mike. There is like science behind it. So, so just a couple of final questions. See, I, I, I think I even said this last week on a podcast I haven't published. I'm like, damn, I want to do shorter. Or I feel like I need to do shorter, but the conversations are so good. We literally probably going to spend three hours, mm. um, but I wanted to just ask you, what does life look like for you now? Ah, well, joyful perspective. I love it. I love my life. I am so grateful to, for my kids. I have balance in my life. Um, you know, I have a couple of bruises from what happened. You know, you don't have brain surgery without having a few things, but I could care less. I, love my life. I'm grateful every single day. I appreciate my food that I'm eating. I appreciate my life. And it is a pretty phenomenal place. And the fact that I'm able to touch other people now with mm. what I learned is just exhilarating. I never I never would have wanted to go through this path, right? I mean, who wants this? But the gifts that are coming from this have been infinite and I'm very grateful for it. I have a very grateful heart. You obviously wouldn't want to go through this path, which is totally, totally understandable. Mm -hmm. But if you're just to compare your life in 2007 to 11 oh. versus now, what's a better life? What's a better life? Yeah. Uh, balance, joy, pleasure, yeah. balance. But what I'm, what I'm getting at is it almost sounds like you're more at peace and you feel more fulfilled now oh, than you did back then. So maybe I accept myself better. I accept mm. myself a little bit more. I think I was trying to prove something. Why did I have to create a big firm like that? You know, wh who am I proving? You know, who did I need to ascribe? And I have broken that down. But no, you're, I understand your question now. I, I don't have anybody. I don't have to prove anything. I'm good enough as it was, that's what I saw when I got sick. When I broke down wow. that, that one day in the hospital, when I was nothing, nothing mattered. None of this stuff. It was all about, it was all about the higher realm. It was about me. It was my family. And that perspective has never changed. And I was shocked when it at, initially, but I understand this is my life. This is my world. I saw the light. I saw the clarity. And when you do that, you never go back. Like you will never go back to the manner in which you were running your life. And no, nor would I. You couldn't pay me a million dollars for it. You couldn't, you couldn't do it. I've seen too much already. So that's how I would hope other people can see that. Well, and, and, and the thing that I hope people can see, and I think people do, but is that the difficult things in life really can be the catalyst to creating mm. a better life. And, and I think it's really easy always in retrospect to be like, Oh my God, thank God I went through this because now I'm a better person. I think what's maybe more important is for those folks that are dealing with shit, heavy shit right now, we're like, I don't want to go through this. Maybe just recognize, especially because yours is yet another story where this is true, that if you push through, you're going to learn some things and you're probably going to be better off on the other side. If you start to think about it in those terms, when you start to think, what, what can I learn from this? Even in the some 
crappy situation. What am I supposed to learn from this? How can I learn from this? It shifts everything. You start to say, wow, oh, this is the most thing in the world. Is it? Is it? I don't know. Just asking questions, I think, is a really powerful right. thing to do. I Well, it's funny that you say that because I've had some ups and downs over my lifetime. And the one thing, if I would say, if I've developed one skill that I actually love is that I don't think about it after the fact now. I will ask myself in the moment, you know, where something shitty's happening. I'm like, okay, <laughs> how can I really learn from this? Yes. And so I like, I, I decrease the amount of time from the shitty event to the actual <laughs> learning where I'm applying it. So that, that's the thing I've done. It's not my well, at least in my own mind. You naturally have these tools in yourself. You have already, with all these different examples that you have shared, that's why you didn't get sick. That's why, because you are, you automatically were finding these little paths, these little ways, these little manners to get out of the situation that you were, to ad adopt something that was a little more whole. And I, so you, you're a great example. You didn't have to get sick like me, right? You start Knock on wood. Well, no, I'm, I'm saying, you, these are very powerful things that you automatically found out about and that you apply to yourself. I do it too, but I came yeah. through a different way. Yeah. 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 Very awesome. So, so what's one thing, this is the second to last question. Um, what's one thing that you learned from your experience that you would like to pass on to others? And, and the others don't necessarily need to be going through what you were going through, but maybe are going through a, a tough time in their life. Uh, I a couple of things, I not too much. Um, that we can heal using our mind and our body and our spirit. And that is a fact. And that perspective is a great friend. I just lost a family member in our family and um, who died recently. And it's just so shocking. It's just so terrible. But over time, you can start to have a perspective. Perspective moves. It changes. It's not finite. And I think those pieces, those two pieces are very powerful if you're willing to look at things differently, allow yourself to explore your perspective and see if it could shift to a healthier place for you. I think those, those two aspects I think would be my biggest ones. Awesome. So Jennifer, hopefully I gave you a heads up on this because I feel like I've been doing a poor job of that, <laughs> which is, which is I named the, the podcast time to sing your song because you're singing your song now. I mean, you went through a really difficult time Actually, I'm probably underselling it. You went through like the worst nightmare <laughs> yeah. one could have and you've ended up on the other side and you're living a great life where you're joyful, you're fulfilled, you're making an impact with people. Um, you also just have a lightness about yourself, um, which I'm guessing if I had met you in 2007, maybe you wouldn't have had that same lightness. Mm. But is there a song or even a genre? You actually already mentioned a song. I don't know if it's the one, but is there something that you listen to now that really defines your journey and speaks to you about where you're at now? Okay. I'm, I have two. Can I do it in two ways? I'm going to give you your literal question, <clears throat> and then I'm going to give you what's really in my heart and soul. 
this is your interview. You could do whatever you want. (laughs) Okay. My literal, my literal answer is Alison Krauss, I think comes Mm. from another realm. I mean, her voice is, is, is of the angels, I think. And this one. Is that the Alison Krauss that, that does a bunch of uh, work with um, Jimmy, not Jimmy, Robert Plant, Robert Plant. So I'm a huge Led Zeppelin fan. So I've, that's where I've come to know her. Yes. Oh, she's, she's, her voice is just, yeah. And she doesn't, that collaboration sort of frustrates me because she doesn't let to shine as much as I'd like Mm. her to do. The second album I need to check out because the first one, it was like his, his stuff. And I was like, ah, she's amazing. But, um, but no, I like them too. But, uh, Alison Krauss and this one song is when you say nothing at all, I find that it brings me to tears. It's so her, the way she sings is just from the angels. It's something else. But what my other answer to your question. Oh, wait, wait. I'm not going to let you go there oh. yet. So is there something in the title? Because actually that's a fascinating title when you say nothing at I all. I know. So I, what, what, why does that speak to you? It, it always did when I first started listening to it. There's something about that is so personal and internal in me and that there's an understanding with each other that you don't even have to talk, right? And I isn't that delicious? Isn't that delicious to be with somebody you love or someone you care about and not even have to communicate words, but know and, and exchanging the love of each other, that energy between each other. Oh, isn't that the best? And the way she sings it is just phenomenal. So yeah, I so love everybody's got to go listen to it. I, the thing that I take away from it, um, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, is that when somebody's ill, it's really hard to find the right words. And sometimes just being there for them mm-hmm. and being present is all they need. 100%. Is that 100%. Okay. Yeah. I'm the type that always feels like I got to fill the gap. So I'm going to try that strategy in the future when somebody just needs me to be there. Just say like nothing that. at all. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. Now okay. what speaks to your heart? Okay. So, <laughs> so, so if the question is, so that is my technical question, but my spiritual section, the thing that's in my gut is what's your song? My song is the sun on my face. It is the sounds of the birds. It's the, the movement of the trees. It's the mutual smile with a person you don't even know and making a connection, right? Like a, just a, a mutual connection, some, somehow, some way. Um, just those things are just so deeply delicious to me. And I would say that's the song that I carry in my heart. It's almost like the, the sound of life to a certain degree. And yeah. I, I love, nobody's ever given that answer. So thank you for that. <laughs> but I do love like when I go on hikes with my dog where there is, there's no noise pollution, which mm-hmm. we've got a lot of that in this country, but where you actually just listen to the birds or you mm-hmm. listen to the wind and it's sometimes, oftentimes, all the time, the most peaceful thing. Mm-hmm. So what a great, what a great way to end it. Thank you. Jennifer, this was awesome. Thank you so much. I, I, I once again, I love your story. I, I hate, and I love your story. I hate the fact that you had to go through all of this, but I love the fact that you've ended up in a much better place. It seems, and you've given this gift to everybody um, where you've shared your story, where you've shared the hope that you were able to cultivate in the moment where you, you know, 
scientifically didn't know exactly how it was going to end up, but yeah. then you found all of these different things, these tools that you've been able to use to help you. And, and I also love the fact we didn't talk a whole lot about this, but the fact that we oftentimes just go to what the doctors say. And I think it's so powerful to recognize that we do own our life and we own our future. And if we're not comfortable with what we're being given, this is not to take away what doctors are doing, but there may be a yes. And like, yes, I need, you know, the surgery and I need the radiation, but I also need to take care of myself. And, and the fact that, you know, sometimes people step back and go, well, you know, you can't do what the doctor's not telling you to do. I think that's bullshit. Like, like it, I would argue a lot of where you are today is because of you taking control yeah. of they your life. They don't have the corner on the market. They don't have the corner they don't have on the, the corner. market. Exactly. Yeah. We have to be engaged with our own health. And yes, I, I wouldn't, I am quite sure I would not be here if I hadn't gone into these, these different pathways and that I think that made all the difference. Awesome. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Jennifer, thank you so much. You are truly an inspiration. And like I said, during our conversation, you have a lightness about you and a joy that is infectious. I'm going to be rooting for you as you continue to beat the odds. If you like my conversation with Jennifer, go back to past episodes to hear other amazing stories of rock bottom and redemption. Big thank you to everyone who listens to Time to Sing Your Song and be in part of this community I'm building. My goal is to help everyday people like you and me use the hard times as a catalyst to create a life that we were all meant to live. Until next time, start singing your song today because as the anonymous quote goes, when tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever. In its place is something you have left behind. Let it be something good.